Hi, and welcome to Data in Depth, a podcast where we delve into advanced analytics, business intelligence, and machine learning, and how they're revolutionizing the manufacturing sector. Each episode, we share new ideas and best practices to help you put your business data to work. From the shop floor to the back office, from optimizing supply chains to customer experience, the factory of the future runs on data. Welcome, and thanks for joining us for the inaugural episode of Data in Depth, a podcast exploring the world of analytics and intelligence and their role in the manufacturing industry. I'm your host, Andrew Reiser. Our guest today is Sky Raymond. Sky is a data scientist with extensive experience helping manufacturers make better use of their data and analytics to manage their supply chains, improve workflows and operations, and chart their overall business strategy. Welcome, Sky. Yeah, hi, Andrew. So, Scott, I'm very excited to, to sit down and talk with you on this topic. It's uh, near and dear to my heart, and it's very fitting that, that you're our first guest on our Data in Depth podcast because of your work and our, our past relationship of, of working together. I always glean a lot of good insights and, and, and can always come to you as it relates to, to questions around data. So definitely looking forward to, to diving deeper. Yeah, thank you, Andrew. Um, it's an exciting time to be in this space, and it's an area where there's always something new and interesting to learn. So I really love that Mountain Point is taking the initiative to put out great content like this podcast uh, to help manufacturers better understand how they can use their data. Perfect. So with that being said, let's let's start with the basics. So what's the, the groundwork and the, the framework for how manufacturers might approach a, a data strategy? Is there a, an assessment or sort of a guideline that you use? Yeah, there's a book that I really like to reference when a company is assessing where they currently stand in their analytical strategy, and it's called Competing on Analytics. And in the book, they lay out the five different stages of analytical competitors and list the characteristics of each one. Very cool. That's the the Thomas Davenport book, right? Right. And in that book, he outlines the five levels of maturity for companies from an analytics perspective. And so I'll kind of dive into those. The, the first and most basic is what he calls analytically impaired. And this is when a company is kind of flying blind. They're very reactive in their strategies. The systems might not be integrated and their data is uh, really poor quality. And by poor quality, I just mean that they might have inconsistencies in their data. They might have missing data. Uh, maybe their employees don't quite understand the data structure, um, and it may be very hard for companies like this to pull data out of their systems for analysis. That makes sense. I think a, a lot of manufacturing companies that we work with or are exposed to uh, would probably fall into this stage. They they have a, a lot of siloed data, a lot of legacy systems, and, and really just have disparate data all over the place and are really struggling to kind of make sense of all that. Right. And uh, those are huge problems, but um, once you tackle those, you can kind of go into the next step of analytics maturity, and that's what Davenport calls localized analytics. And these companies are a little bit more advanced than the previous. They do a pretty good job of collecting transactional data, um, something like you would see in an ERP system, but they really don't often collect types of data outside of their ERP system that could lead to data-driven decision-making and more in-depth looks into other areas of the business that aren't that transactional. Um, They can generally create analytics for isolated instances, but that's really as far as the analytical strategy will go. Um, And it's still very reactive. And so these companies can usually do a little bit of historical reporting, but that's about all that they can do at this point. 
Uh, again, I think this this also sounds very similar to, to customers we work with. And we typically hear that, yep, we're managing our business through Excel spreadsheets. So we have an ERP system and we've got a lot of transactional data, but we take that data and put that into Excel and do a lot of manipulation within Excel. So um, does that uh, sound familiar to you of, of what you come across? And maybe you can give some more examples of the, the reporting that companies do at this level. Yeah, that sounds about right. Um, Companies at this level will usually be able to tell you pretty easily things like um, the total amount of open sales orders, uh, total sales year to date, uh, generally more basic information about the current status of their business transactions with their customers, Um, pretty basic information you can get out of an ERP system. Um, They can also sometimes use things like you mentioned, like Excel and pivot tables to maybe get some insight into their customer base. Um, They can look into information like top-selling products per customer, uh, items with longest lead time, customer sales over time, uh, kind of of basic information um, that you might be able to, maybe it's like a a one-time ask for an executive for a piece of information, but usually those types of things don't really play into the long-term strategy of a company. I'd say a lot of the the mid to small size manufacturing companies probably fall into that category and are really trying to to figure out how to to take that data strategy to the next level. An important stat that I came across recently that I wanted to share, the IDC recently came out with worldwide revenues for big data and analytics, and the numbers are, are pretty massive. So they're saying that in 2018, $189.1 billion was invested or planned to be forecasted in this area of big data analytics. And they're also predicting that this pace will maintain through 2022. And out of those numbers, roughly 20% is attributed towards manufacturers. So this data tells me that the, the data analytics is definitely on the mind of these industrial-based businesses. So what's that next step look like? Well, the next step is where we get into what's kind of referred to as analytical aspirations. And at this point, it's really about the executive team buying into the idea of competing on analytics, um, of having that desire, like you mentioned, to take their analytics kind of to the next level. Right, because it's very hard to implement any sort of analytics strategy without having executive support and buy-in. Yeah, exactly. These, These companies are in more of a preparation period where they make investments in the right talent and the right tools to collect and analyze their data. Uh, at this level, they're kind of preparing to use analytics to improve a distinctive capability of their company, something they do really well uh, that they think distinguishes themselves from their competition. This is usually the best place to start um, when you're going to implement some sort of analytical strategy is is with something that you think that your company is, distinguishes themselves from the competition. And then during this period, they're still creating isolated analytics, but the difference is that they have a roadmap to automation for that process. Great. So let's uh, unpack that idea of a roadmap a little bit, because I feel like that's where a lot of companies get stuck or overwhelmed and they'll sit down and have a lot of meetings about the strategy, but they really get lost and are looking for sort of best practices or insights of, of, of how they translate their ideas into a roadmap. So how do you build out a solid, manageable game plan? What's a good place to start? Um, so I touched on this a little bit before, but a really good place to start as as you're beginning to think about this is to start in the area of your business that you believe is going to be your differentiator. Um, if you have a repair shop, maybe your differentiator is going to be service. If you're a logistics company, your differentiator is probably going to be speed of delivery, things like that. And, and these areas are usually where you're going to find the most value from implementing analytics and where you can really gain a competitive advantage Um, And there are frameworks that you can use to help you figure out what your analytical strategy should be in those areas of your business, um, which is something I think we might touch on a little bit later on and probably in future podcasts. 
That makes sense. Uh, I think a lot of manufacturers that we talk to, they tout their differentiators as being uh, quality, uh, service for sure, and pricing. So those sound like uh, three good areas to dive deeper into. So let's talk a little bit about the end game. So we've, we've kind of gone through the, uh, the the first kind of stages of maturity. So what are the two highest levels of maturity that, that you come across in organizations? So the next level is going to be um, what's called an analytical company. And this is when a company has an enterprise-wide analytic strategy that's viewed as a company priority, uh, not just to management, from but to the entire company from top to bottom. Uh, the data is high quality in these companies and the processes to collect the data are in place and everyone follows you know, the, the correct process. Um, the companies are often using automated analytics and more advanced modeling techniques, um, things like you know, utilizing artificial intelligence, um, different types of forecasting, time series forecasting. And um, these companies are using automated analytics to support whatever their distinctive capability is. Uh, what you're describing to me, kind of the, the bells go off in my head about digital transformation. So digital transformation is another buzzword, but the premise of it is, is digitizing your business, digitizing operations and kind of putting these new methods and methodologies into place. So how do you build that kind of level of buy-in and create change within the organization to, to get everybody on the same page and kind of thinking and baking data in as a, an operational part of your culture? It really needs to start from the top down. Um, if your your executive team and your management team aren't buying in, then you're going to have a really hard time competing on analytics as a company. Um, once once you have buy in from those stakeholders, the next step is going to be to get the rest of the organization to buy in, um, which can be difficult. Uh, things that you can do to to kind of help with that is to give the people who are actually doing the, the detailed jobs day-to-day, some ownership of the analytics and some input into the analytics. You know, these are going to be the people who are the experts in your company in the areas where you're trying to apply these analytics. And so, you know, they know the processes inside and out. And not only is it beneficial for them to have input into these analytics, but it's also going to be beneficial for the company because um, these people can give you some of the most valuable insight when, as you're figuring out your analytics strategy. Cool. So let's uh, move on and talk about the leaders in this space. So what does a, a fully mature kind of analytical leader look like? Yeah, the the ultimate level in, in analytical maturity is what Devonport calls an analytical competitor. And this is really what everyone should be kind of striving for. Uh, and this is someone who is using analytics as a key component in their competitive strategy and is gaining a true competitive advantage through their data and their analysis. And at this stage, you know, the analytics are fully automated, completely integrated into the business. Decisions organization-wide are data-driven. Analytics really are the central theme to how the organization operates. So think about um, Amazon and Netflix and companies that are really using the data-driven methodology to uh, run their businesses. Yeah, those are great examples of, of how companies can use analytics in their favor instead of stay ahead of the, the customer expectations and, and really provide superior products and services to their customers. Um, I think that's something that, that we think about a lot. And, and at Mountain Point, we often hit on how the, the manufacturing world is, is moving more towards a, a B2C model. So it's not just a, a business-to-business model, but it's a business-to-business-to-consumer model. So it's not just enough to focus on your product and, and have the, the best product out there, but you now need to focus on uh, all aspects of that value chain all the way down to the end customer. And that has to be baked into your process and mentality as an organization. 
Right. Um, and one of the things that Davenport talks about a lot in his book is that analytics are, are really going to be um, kind of the last differentiator when all other things across these competing companies, as they start to uh, level out where, you know, there's really not a true advantage elsewhere, that only analytics are going to end up being the, the big advantage that makes companies win over others. Uh, and so, someone who really does a good job of this is Tesla. Tesla not only uses their data to to drive the customer experience, but they also weave it into basically every aspect of their product, of their processes, and um, of their product development. Yeah, I think that's what's what's awesome is seeing companies like Tesla. They they just take this whole mentality to a, an unprecedented level because they they started from scratch with everything. So rethinking all of this and kind of baking that in from the, the get go of the of building a, a car. A colleague who has a Tesla talks about every time he pulls into the driveway, his wife complains because it slows her internet down. And so this is just because the, the car has so much data from all the sensors and, and the activity that, that gets collected that when he gets home, all that data is being uploaded so it can be analyzed. And uh, when you think about that spread across hundreds of thousands of cars, it's pretty impressive. What a big focus point that the data has on a, an organization like Tesla. Exactly. And they they collect and store their data on every vehicle from every single trip that a driver makes. Um, so yeah, it's definitely big data. And that data gives them some real advantages. Uh, not only are they able to use it to pioneer the self-driving model, um, but they're also able to implement preventive maintenance before there are issues with their vehicles. And um, you know, when their data points to an issue, they use software updates to fix the issue before their customers even know it's a problem or have noticed that, you know, a, a potential problem. Um, and as a result, they've got really highly satisfied customers. Um, back in 2014, they had an issue with overheating cars. And before most customers even knew it was a problem, they had already kind of pushed a software update and fixed fixed every car that was, was going to have that issue. Um, they have came out and said pretty often that they believe that the word recall is outdated. Um, so they they really put a focus on finding those issues before they become a large-scale problem and push those fixes with software. Um, so just a really good example of a highly integrated analytical strategy into their product and services. Yes, and so it's pretty obvious here, and you talk through that, that, that these companies definitely have a, a sustainable competitive advantage because of of their value of analytical strategies and, and their big bets that they're making on analytics in their business. So with all the information that we just kind of talked through and, and kind of uh, touched on in the five different levels, uh, it'll be interesting to see for the, the listeners uh, where they feel they fit into to these five categories. So now to kind of pivot a little bit. So once we know where you are and you've kind of assessed your, your data maturity at an organizational level, what's next? Where do you, where do you go from there? Um, well, it'll it'll depend a little bit on what stage you're in, obviously. Um, at stage five, you're there. You're an analytical competitor. You've got a competitive advantage because of your ability to fully integrate analytics into the company's strategy. The challenge at this point is going to come from keeping up with the new technology. Um, data science is an area that's uh, where it's constantly rapidly changing with, with new and updated and better technology. Uh, and so keeping up with that technology so that your pe- competitors don't uh, catch up or pass you is really about sustaining your competitive advantage at that point. And that's, that's a hard thing to do. At stage four, you're, you're nearly there, but you're going to want to look for ways to go from having a great analytics process and infrastructure to finding ways to gain a real competitive advantage from those systems. Most companies fall in the first three categories, and in those stages, you really want to start thinking about how you can tie analytics into your processes and decision-making. 
Yeah, I would agree. I think that um, for companies that do fall into those categories, this is where where we like to to step in and kind of help them uh, aspire and achieve getting to those those uh, additional stages of maturity. So, Sky, another framework that you mentioned uh, to me before that I really like is the the concept of descriptive, predictive, and prescriptive analytics. I like this concept because it helps you connect your your analytical strategy to tangible goals for your business, and it really guides your thinking towards helping uh, you ask the right questions um, within your business and and having that be be data driven. So, uh, can you tell me a little bit about those categories? Yeah, um, the the first level is is descriptive and. Descriptive analytics uh, just means that you're using your data to tell you what has been happening historically in your business. These are going to be things like um, key performance indicators, KPIs, and dashboards. And um, they can tell you things like sales year over year, inventory turnover, um, order to shipment turnaround times in the past six months, really things that monitor um, the, the, thing, the processes going on in your business. That makes sense. So maybe uh, give me a few more examples of how you can use descriptive analytics to drive value in your business. I like to use descriptive analytics to set baselines for businesses. This means that you're using the historical data that you have to tell you what's normal for your business. So as you monitor your business processes, if an area of your business strays away from your baseline, strays from normal, um, you know there's something going on that you need to investigate further. Right. So as we kind of go down that train of thought, so you are focusing on the the normal, which I I like how you describe that. So the the logical progression from there is I know what has been happening, but but now what's going to happen next? Right. And that's this is where predictive analytics is going to come in. Um, Predictive analytics uses your data to tell you what's likely to happen based on your historical data. Um, it's important that your historical data is reliable, uh, and if you don't have reliable historical data, you're going to have a hard time using predictive analytics. Um, so that's that's the first step. But once you take your historical data, uh, you can use it to make forecasts and models to minimize your future risk or to highlight future opportunities for your business. And this is going to be more sophisticated process that utilizes things like artificial intelligence, predictive modeling. And you can use these analytics to forecast demand or to implement preventative maintenance on your equipment uh, and know when it's more likely to go down. Um, just a good way to get an idea of what might happen um, so you can prepare for you know, the, the future of your business. I think that also ties into a lot of the buzzwords we hear now about Internet of Things and, and sensor data. So a lot of manufacturers are, are trying to implement smart devices uh, on their equipment so that they can have this sort of preventative uh, approach of knowing when things are more likely to go down. So uh, with predictive analytics, uh, how does that really differ from this third category that we're going to talk about with prescriptive? Prescriptive analytics are going to be more about optimization and they're built on your predictive models. Um, you can use these type of analytics to say what should happen. So you're basically going to take your predictive models and tweak the variables to look into different scenarios that you're interested in. So this can answer questions like, what's going to happen to my sales if I increase prices, if I decrease prices? Something like, how can I optimize my delivery routes? Any Anything that you are wanting to know about your business, you're going to find a way to kind of plug it into your models and see what the outcome would be if you made certain decisions. And these types of analytics are really good to help you allocate your resources. Yeah, speaking of allocation of resources, uh, one of the, the top requests that we get from sales leaders in manufacturing is, 
how can they create and chart the best kind of territory alignment um, within their organization? So um, how can they look at data and carve out their territories to make sure that they have the right mix of, of people in the, the respective territories? So I think that's a, a good example. Let's dig a little bit deeper into some real-life applications uh, of these three categories, descriptive, predictive, and prescriptive uh, framework and, and their kind of per maturity progression. So if you can, will you walk me through a scenario starting with descriptive techniques and then how that evolves to a prescriptive strategy? Um, sure. So, uh, yeah, let's just say that, for example, um, that you've decided that your um, differentiator for your company is their repair shop. You have a repair shop and service is going to be your differentiator. Um, so at that point, you might decide that that's where you're going to start your analytical strategy. And so you set up KPIs. It's probably in the form of some sort of dashboard or report that monitors your repair process. Within that process, you can you know, see the stages of your repair. And in that case, you might be able to find the bottlenecks in your process. And so um, something I've seen in the past is that there has been a bottleneck with um, ordering parts for a repair. So once uh, they, you know, find, f diagnose the problem um, and order parts for that, it takes a long time for that part to come in and for them to, you know, fix the product. And so at that point, your KPIs have given you good information about where your bottleneck is. And it should become fairly obvious where you can apply your predictive analytics to drive the most value. And so in this case, you can use predictive analytics to forecast what parts you're going to need for future repairs. That way, um, when a repair comes in, you can have the parts needed for it already sitting on the shelf. And what that does is it's going to reduce your turnaround time for your repairs. And that's when you can implement, once you've successfully kind of implemented that predictive analytics strategy, is when you can implement your prescriptive analytics. And this can help you optimize that process. So you can take advantage of things like bulk discounts on your, on your um, purchases, reduce shipping costs, things like that, so that you can save money on your orders while minimizing your inventory overhead costs. You know, you start with descriptive, it helps lead you into your predictive strategy. And from there, you can optimize it with prescriptive analytics. Very cool. So uh, before we wrap up today, what's one takeaway that you want our listeners to understand uh, so that they can be successful in their analytic game and, and helping their organization move from the, the analytically impaired to the, the analytical competitor? Um, just that the descriptive, predictive, and prescriptive strategies that we've talked about work best when they work together in the different areas of your businesses, um, and especially that area where you think that your company is going to have a competitive advantage. And these strategies can really help you move from you know one level to the next in terms of where you fit into the five analytical competitor categories. Well, Sky, as always, it's been a pleasure talking to you, and I look forward to having you on the show again. Cool. Thanks for having me, Andrew. And I'm really looking forward to uh, listening to the rest of the episodes. Sounds good. And thank you to the folks who are out there that tuned in for our first episode of Data in Depth. And if you'd like to learn more about the topics we discussed, we'll provide links and details in the show notes for this episode. And if you enjoyed this uh, conversation between Sky and I, I hope you'll take a moment to share it with friends as well as rate the episode. Uh, and make sure that you don't miss future episodes of Data in Depth by subscribing to our channels on iTunes, Google, Spotify, and pretty much anywhere else you might consume your podcasts. Thanks again for joining us. Data in Depth is produced by Mountain Point, a digital transformation consulting firm focusing on the manufacturing sector. You can find show notes, additional episodes, and more by visiting dataindepth.com. 
Thanks for listening and be sure to subscribe wherever you get your podcasts.